Thank you again, Steve. Uh, really appreciate you leading us in worship this morning. That was great. Uh, good to see a, a familiar face after being apart for so long. Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, he is risen. <laughs> uh, I guess I, I wish I could hear you guys all saying it back. But, um, he is risen indeed. There we go. Yes. <laughs> So a little over a month ago, I'm sure that none of us would have expected that we would be celebrating Easter in this way. Uh, normally on Easter, we have brunch together and, you know, there's more people here than usual. So we have to set up extra chairs and we all sing a little bit louder and we celebrate the resurrection together. And I don't know about you, but I personally really am missing all that this morning. I wish that we could be doing that. But even though we are physically apart right now, uh, that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate the resurrection. In fact, uh, there's some interesting parallels between uh, the first Easter and the situation that the disciples were in and the situation that we're in right now. Uh, on the first Easter, uh, John's Gospel tells us that uh, the disciples in the evening, uh, they were uh, hiding in a house, and they were locked away for fear of the Jews. Uh, basically, uh, they were under a kind of quarantine. <laughs> they were uh, anxious and afraid that the same people who crucified Jesus would want to crucify them. And so they were nervous, and they were isolating. They were <laughs> social distancing from those that they thought were a threat to them. And yet, in that situation, Jesus appeared to them. The risen Jesus uh, revealed himself to them. And my hope and prayer is that this morning, while we are uh, similarly, uh, maybe a little anxious, um, quarantined in our homes behind locked doors, uh, that Jesus would reveal himself to us. Uh, that we would realize uh, that he is risen and he is alive. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much. Uh, for this special morning and the reminder uh, that you are risen from the dead. Lord, this morning we remember the most important event in history, uh, the event that changes everything. Lord, I pray that the significance of your resurrection would hit us afresh today, that it would uh, fill us with encouragement, that it would be wind in our sails, Lord. Um, we, we thank you and we celebrate the resurrection this morning. We ask for your presence to be over every aspect of this service. Lord, help us to attend to your word now. Um, and uh, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Help us to be open to whatever it is that you want to reveal to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at John's account of the resurrection. It's in uh, John chapter 20, so if you have a Bible, I encourage you to make your way there. And what we're going to do is we're just going to read through it in sections, and we are going to try to appreciate it as much as possible. So, where we left off on Good Friday, uh, it was dark, right? The forces of hell had unleashed their fury, and it appeared that the light of the world had been snuffed out by the powers of darkness. But, hallelujah, that was not the end of the story. So, John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, a quick side note. When John's Gospel talks about the other disciple, or the disciple whom Jesus loved, traditionally it is believed that that is a way for John to refer to himself. Uh, so, whenever you hear those phrases, think of John, the same person who wrote this gospel. It also means that when John writes, the other disciple outran Peter, he's also saying, I won that race. Uh, but anyway, lest we think that uh, John is just full of himself, what happens next is going to show that John has some humility 
uh, because he admits that Peter was bolder than he was. John gets, to, uh, John gets to the tomb first, but he's a little anxious about going inside. For some reason, he has hesitation about going in. But Peter just boldly goes right into the tomb, which is interesting because that's in keeping with the character of Peter throughout the Gospels. Peter's usually the bold one, right? While the other disciples were in the boat, Peter was the one who got out on the water and walked toward Jesus. So that's his uh, usual way of operating. Continuing in verse 5, uh, he bent over, meaning John, John bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, once again, John's reminding us, I got there first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. All right, so here's something that I want us to notice here. Both Peter and John go to the tomb, but only one of them leaves the tomb believing that Jesus has risen. Right? John sees the tomb, and it says that he believes. Uh, but it doesn't say that Peter believes. And that is actually consistent with what Luke's account says about the resurrection. Luke's account says that Peter goes to the tomb and that he leaves wondering to himself what has happened. So John's response to this is he realizes Jesus is risen. Peter's response to this is, I don't get it, confusion. Now, you might be wondering, why has John figured out that Jesus has risen? Um, it, we're told that neither of them understood from the scriptures that Jesus needed to rise from the dead. That's something that they'll understand later. But right now, both Peter and John don't understand that, that the scriptures prophesy this event. But somehow, John has caught on that Jesus is risen. So, why is that? Well, notice the details that John records here. These are significant. They might seem like they're not that big of a deal, but they are important. He says that the linens, which Jesus' body would have been wrapped in, are lying on the floor of the tomb. And he says that the cloth that would have been wrapped around Jesus' head is folded up neatly, and it's separate from the linens. Now, why are those details important? They're important because they imply that Jesus' body was not stolen. Now, why is that? Well, okay, imagine that you're John, and Mary Magdalene has come to you, and she has said, the tomb is empty, they've taken his body, and I don't know where it is. And so, you're John, you run to the tomb, and the first thing that you notice is that all of uh, the wrappings that would have been around Jesus' body are lying there. And so your brain starts processing. You start asking yourself, what, what has happened here? And the first thing you would think is, well, if a grave robber came here, why would they bother to take the wrappings off the body? What would be the point of that? Uh, not only is that unnecessary, but frankly, it's gross, right? Why would you want to uh, unwrap a body that's been dead for several days and that was beaten to death? I mean, that is not something that you would, you would want to do. There would be no purpose to that. And so then the next thing that John notices is he sees that folded up cloth and he thinks to himself, well, that doesn't add up either. Why would a grave robber that doesn't care about desecrating Jesus' body neatly fold up the cloth that was around his head? What would be the purpose of that? Is this some kind of OCD grave robber? It doesn't make sense. And then it clicks with John. This wasn't a robbery. This was a resurrection. So he's able to look at this scene, recognize that it doesn't add up, add up uh, and, then, and then put it together. And I like to think that he sees that folded cloth, that head cloth, and he almost sees it like a wink from Jesus, saying, I'm back. See, this wouldn't make sense otherwise. So for John, this empty tomb is what he needs to believe that Jesus is risen. But for Peter, it's not enough. 
Peter's going to need something more. Now, hold that in your heads, because we're going to return to that point later. Um, but for now, let's keep reading. Continuing in verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Now, again, this is Mary Magdalene. Uh, just for clarification, in case you're confused, Mary Magdalene is different from the Mary that gave birth to Jesus, Mary's, um, Jesus' mother. This is a different Mary. And you may have heard a lot about Mary Magdalene. There's a lot of like folklore surrounding Mary Magdalene. But the truth is, we know very little about her. The only things that we know for sure uh, is that she was a follower of Jesus, and that she became a follower of Jesus after Jesus exorcised seven demons from her. Okay, So anything else you've heard, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, this is what we know for sure, just those two things and uh, what we're about to read now. So, Mary is crying outside the tomb. The disciples have left. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Okay, let's talk about what just happened there. One of the things that is remarkable about this scene is that a woman is given the privilege of being the first eyewitness to Jesus. Uh, Jesus could have picked anybody to be the first person who saw his resurrected body, but he chose uh, for that person to be Mary Magdalene, a woman. And that's significant because during Jesus' time, it was a very patriarchal society, extremely patriarchal. Uh, so much so that the testimony of women was not given much validity in court at the time. So I like to say, if you were making up a story, this is not the kind of story that you would make up in that time. Uh, this would not be uh, the kind of thing you would, you would create if you were trying to create propaganda. Uh, and yet, this is the story we have. So that, that is evidence that this is genuine, that this is historical. This is also a reminder that Jesus thought much more highly of women uh, than the culture uh, that he lived in in his earthly life, which is very important for us to recognize. So, uh, Jesus appears to Mary, but at first she doesn't even realize that it's Jesus. Again, this is not the kind of story that you would make up if you were making up a story. Uh, Mary assumes instead that Whoever is talking to her is the gardener, the, the gardener who took care of the, air, took care of the area uh, surrounding the tombs. So Jesus asks Mary, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Now, of course, Jesus knows the answer to these questions, but he asks them anyway. And, you know, this reminds me of another time in Scripture where God asks someone a question, and he obviously knows the answer. And that time, he also asked the question to someone in a garden. Uh, I'm thinking of way back in the beginning of the Bible, the Garden of Eden. Uh, Adam and Eve have just sinned, and they're ashamed, and they're hiding. And God comes down to them, and he says, where are you? He knows the answer, but he still asks the question. And it's interesting, because now things are coming full circle, right? In the Garden of Eden, that was where the curse of death fell upon humanity. 
And now, in this garden, the curse is being reversed. But I want us to notice, even though God knows everything, he still asks us questions. He asks questions to our hearts. You know, questions like, where are you? What are you looking for? Why are you crying? Even though he's all-knowing, he, he comes down to our level and he invites us into relationship with him. And that's what we see him doing here. I also like to think that what we're seeing Jesus doing here is, is being playful. You know, he, he has a really great surprise and he wants to savor the moment. Uh, that's something that we do when we have great surprises. We kind of like to, to drag them out. Um, I'm reminded of those videos that uh, people sometimes post of uh, military parents coming home uh, to unexpectedly to see their, their kids. You know, usually in those videos, there will be a period of time where uh, the parent is in the house, but the kids don't realize it yet. Right? Maybe the parent is dressed up as Santa Claus or is hiding in a Christmas present or something like that. And mom knows, but mom's playing dumb you know, until the kids realize it. And you know, the reason that those videos are fun and the reason that people do that sort of thing is because we like to savor the surprise. Right? It's, it's just part of something that we as human beings enjoy. Right? And we see Jesus doing that here, that similar uh, playfulness. I think one mistake that we often make is assuming that, you know, God is very, very serious and, you know, he just has no sense of fun or play or humor. Uh, but that's not true. That's not true at all. In fact, not only does God have a sense of those things, God is the ultimate source of all genuine uh, play and fun and humor. And that's what we see here. Uh, this is... This is the biggest surprise ever. It's been planned since the foundation of the world, the resurrection of Jesus, best surprise there could ever be, and God is savoring the moment here. So Jesus is asking Mary questions, and Mary is not catching on. And so then he just stops asking questions, and he calls her by name, right? He says one word, Mary. And with that one word, something clicks. And Mary realizes this is Jesus. She exclaims and she embraces him. And she realizes Jesus is risen. So, let's think about this for a moment. Uh, in John's case, he just needed to see that empty tomb. Uh, and in Mary's case, Mary needed to hear Jesus say her name. And Peter, he's going to need something else, right? Right now, Peter's still just confused. And what I want us to notice is that when it comes to believing in the resurrection, it takes different things for different people. You know, I don't know what you need to believe in the resurrection. I don't know. I don't know if you're like John and you just need to know about the empty tomb. Or maybe you're like Mary, and you need, in some sense, to hear Jesus calling your name. Maybe not audibly, but at least in a, in a heart sense, a spiritual sense. I don't know. I don't know what you need. Chances are, if you're watching this live stream, you already believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. But there is a chance that you're watching this, and you, you're not sure. You don't know. Uh, usually on Easter, there are a lot of people who go to church, who don't normally go to church, and they're the sort of people who really just aren't sure what they think about the resurrection. Now, if you're one of those people, you know, I would love to share with you all the reasons why I think uh, there's evidence for believing that the resurrection was a historical event, arguments from history and from reason and, and that sort of thing. Um, and if you've never explored any of those evidences, I encourage you to find a, a book like Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. That's a good place to start to get you thinking about that topic. But here's the thing. I also recognize that even if I could assemble all the very best arguments uh, from evidence and, and logic and that sort of thing, if I could do that, it still might not work for you. That might not be what you need. I mean, think about it. Mary had the risen Jesus 
in front of her. And she was a, a witness to the empty tomb. But it didn't click for her until she heard Jesus say, Mary. Until she heard her name. You know, it's similar for many of us. Many of us uh, are in a position where evidence isn't really enough for us, right? Uh, we need to feel that personal connection with Jesus before we recognize that he is risen. Now again, I don't know what you specifically need uh, to believe in the resurrection. But I believe what Jesus said. Jesus said, if we seek, we will find. Um, so I believe that if you are seeking the truth, God will give, in, give you what you need to believe in the resurrection. Whether you are a John, or a Mary, or a Peter, or a Thomas, he will give you uh, what you need. And uh, he will give you what you need, not necessarily to have 100% proof in the way that people in the world often expect to have 100% proof, but you will have what you need to put your trust in the reality that Jesus is risen and alive. That's what I believe. And if you, if you feel like you don't have that yet, keep seeking. Keep seeking. I believe God will reveal himself to you. All right. Let's keep reading. Continuing in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, here's that, that quarantine, right? Uh, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So here's a reminder that sometimes, even when we're not seeking, God still reveals himself to us, right? The, the disciples knew that the body was gone, but they weren't out looking for it. Uh, they were hiding uh, in isolation, right? Nervous and afraid. And yet, Jesus still revealed himself to them. And what I want us to recognize right now is that that revelation completely transformed their lives. They went from being fearful people hiding in the shadows to being ambassadors for God's kingdom. Right? They went from being terrified people to being people who would sooner die than deny that Jesus had risen. And most of them did end up dying because they would not deny uh, that Jesus is risen. It, it's because of their commitment to proclaiming that reality that Christianity spread throughout the world and we are celebrating the resurrection today. And I know of no reasonable explanation for that transformation than that they really did see the risen Jesus, that they really did experience uh, his presence uh, after his crucifixion in a literal, physical way. When we recognize that Jesus really is risen from the dead, that changes everything. That transforms us. It frees us from fear, because if Jesus is risen, then we have hope that death does not win. Right? If Jesus is risen, we have hope that death does not have the final word, and that life is not ultimately a tragedy. If Jesus is risen, we have hope that something, or more accurately, someone, is more powerful than death. And that someone promises us that if we trust in him, we too will overcome death. That there is life after life. Right now, a lot of people are afraid. Right? And... Ultimately, the reason that we're afraid is because we're afraid of death. We don't want to die, and we don't want our loved ones to die. And that is why we're social distancing, right? Now, there is nothing wrong, most of the time, with doing what we can to avoid death. It is normal to be afraid of death. It is normal to avoid death. That's fine. But we need to remember, with or without coronavirus... Death is our destiny, right? It's not a matter of if, but when. This coronavirus epidemic 
has forced into our awareness something that is always true, which is that we are mortal, and tomorrow is not guaranteed. That is the reality, right? And if we don't have any hope beyond this life, that reality will paralyze us. And the fear of death will control us. The fear of death will play with us like a marionette on a string. You know, think about it. One of the reasons that evil dictators are able to gain and keep control is because they know how to manipulate people's fear of death. You know, think about Hitler and the Nazis. I'm sure that there were some uh, Nazis who committed atrocities, who were sociopathic, psychopathic, but I'm sure that many of them were just following orders. That's what many of them said, right? I was just following orders. Now, why did they do that? They followed orders because they were afraid that if they didn't, they would die, right? The fear of death. The fear of death, when we have no hope of anything else, controls us like a puppet on a string. And, you know, the world is a dark, dark place when our highest goal is just our earthly survival. You know, uh, when, when, when the fear of death controls us, and we have a choice between surviving or doing what's right, what are we going to choose? Our impulse is always going to be to choose survival, because that is the ultimate good, right? That's all there is. In order for evil to be resisted in the world, there have to be people who care more about doing what's right than just surviving. And Jesus' resurrection frees us to be able to do that. It frees us because it assures us that love is stronger than death. Right? It assures us that when we follow the sacrificial way of love, the way of the cross, then that is not the end. Right? The end of the cross is not death, but it's resurrection. There is life beyond this life. Death has been defeated. And that means that we are free. We are free to live lives of sacrificial love and resistance against evil. Amen? Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So I'm going to play uh, an Easter song, Christ is Risen, and I just encourage you to either uh, join me in singing it as I play it, or you can spend some time reflecting on what was just said. Um, so I will do that now. Oh, 
celebrate communion together uh, so please uh, stick around uh, for that and uh, of course stick around for prayer too uh, but I just want to remind you that that is coming we are going to do that um, so as we have the last few weeks uh, I just want to encourage you right now if you have any prayer requests uh, to write them into the comments and then I will offer them up uh, on our behalf so send them in now Stephanie Barbeau has a prayer request for her neighbors. I think she got cut off when she was writing it, but God will know what it is. I think they tested positive. Mm. know my family uh, we were praying for Steve Shuffle last week and he got better but uh, his, his wife has caught it from taking okay. care of him so pray for Patty nope. I'm right on cue my dad with the same thing okay looks like she just has the flu Patty just has the flu she doesn't have coronavirus possibly okay. Stephanie's sister-in-law Sister-in-law, cousin uh, is in the hospital with COVID. It's not looking great. Stephanie Borbo. Mm-hmm. Sister-in-law. Cousin. Cousin. Okay. All right. Well. 
know there's another uh, family uh, in the church that had someone pass away from this, so pray for them and their peace. Peter had a great prayer for those who uh, don't believe, who are uncertain in Jesus as the Son of God, and for them to find him. I think that's a great, great one for Easter Sunday, especially for people hearing the message for the first time today. Yeah. Angelique also has a, a praise that um, she was going to be alone today, but friends just surprised her with a social distancing Easter lunch together. Allison asked for prayer for Josh and his new job and uh, the risk of being exposed to corona. One of his co-workers has a daughter that is being tested. Continued prayer for all the, the people working on the front lines, the doctors, the nurses, people in the grocery stores, the essential workers, all those who are still working so we can... Uh, Continue living. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you again for your resurrection mm -hmm. and for the hope that comes from the resurrection, Lord. We thank you for defeating death trampling over death, Lord, with your death. Uh, God, I pray that this morning um, you would help each one of us to experience the reality of the resurrection. Lord, I pray like, like Mary, we would hear you uh, calling our name. Lord, I pray that you would he we would hear you asking us the questions, where are you? What are you looking for? And Lord, I pray that we would realize that what we are looking for is found in you. Lord, as, as Peter requested, Lord, we pray for those who haven't come to that point of recognizing you as the risen Lord of all. Um, God, we pray that you would be at work in their hearts, uh, drawing them to yourself. We pray that you would uh, be softening their hearts to receive uh, that good news. Uh, and we pray that they would experience the joy of knowing that you are risen. Lord, uh, some of us are anxious right now. Some of us um, have lost our, our livelihoods, our source of income. Um, some of us are uh, either sick or recovering or um, concerned for someone who is sick. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us with faith, not with fear. Um, that you would help us to act responsibly uh, rather than to be in a state of panic. Um, God, we do pray against the spread of this virus. Uh, we pray uh, that it would, be, it would be stopped, that these uh, distancing measures that are being taken would be effective. Um, we pray that there would be enough supplies for hospitals. Uh, we pray for perseverance and courage for doctors and nurses and that you would keep them healthy. Uh, we pray that our hospitals would not be overburdened. And Lord, we pray that the church would be the church during this time, that we would care uh, more about doing what is right than simply surviving. And I don't know exactly what that looks like for each one of us, Lord, but I pray that your spirit would reveal it to us and that we would be faithful uh, to follow your lead in this time. Lord, I, I lift up uh, the Borbeau's neighbors uh, who I believe have tested positive for the virus. I pray for a quick recovery uh, with no complications. I pray that they would not need to go to a hospital or anything like that, Lord. Um, and I pray that they uh, would be careful uh, not to spread the illness um, and that it would stop uh, with them. But we also lift up uh, Stephanie's sister-in-law's cousin uh, who has coronavirus and is in the hospital. Uh, we pray for a, a turnaround there. It sounds like things are not, not going well, Lord. And uh, we just pray um, that the power of your resurrection would be made manifest in her body right here and right now. Um, that you would turn things around, that you would heal her lungs, uh, that you would restore her. 
Lord, we praise you uh, for Steve Shuffle's recovery, uh, the Anderson's family friend. Uh, thank you so much that he is doing better. And we lift up his wife, Patty, who cared for him when he was sick and may have coronavirus now. Uh, we pray also for her recovery. Um, we pray that it would be uh, an easier recovery uh, even than, than Steve's was, Lord. And uh, we pray that the virus would not spread from them. Lord, we're mindful right now of a family in our church uh, that has lost someone close to them uh, because of this virus. And we pray that your comfort would be with them right now, that your peace would be with them, and we pray that the hope of the resurrection uh, would fill them today um, with the peace that only the hope of the resurrection can bring, Lord. Um, I pray that they would have a sense that uh, saying goodbye to this friend is not saying goodbye, uh, but saying good night. Um, I pray for that for them, Lord. Lord, I, I praise you um, for the ways that you are helping to meet uh, our needs for social interaction through technology, like in the way that you have with uh, Angelique today. Um, and we pray, Lord, that any of us who are uh, really getting antsy, maybe those of us who are more extroverted and, and, and uh, are really longing for more human interaction, I pray that there would be ways that that longing would be met. Um, I pray that we would have friends who uh, we can reach out to and who can reach out to us. I pray that uh, we wouldn't be shy about reaching out for connection when we, when we need it. And uh, Lord, I pray that our small groups uh, would help to provide uh, places for fellowship and connection, especially for those who are, who are longing for it. Lord, I lift up uh, Josh Carreau and his new job, and I pray that you give him grace there. Um, I pray that you would help him to, to do his job well, and I pray that uh, he would not uh, be especially at risk for uh, contracting the virus, doing his work. Um, we pray for all people right now who have to work, don't have the option of working from home, um, and we pray uh, that you would give them protection, Lord, that you would provide for them masks and sanitizer and things like that so that uh, they can be safe. And um, we pray that you would calm any anxious nerves that they might have. Lord, we thank you for people who are still doing their jobs and going out there to work in grocery stores or um, to help provide us with food um, or who are doctors and nurses, uh, whatever they might be doing, Lord, we thank you for them and we pray that they would feel appreciated and that they would be encouraged during this time. And Lord, um, I just pray uh, that the reality of the resurrection would hit us anew this morning, uh, that we would realize all over again how necessary, how important this hope is uh, in our earthly lives, in, our, in these mortal lives, Lord. And uh, I pray that, like the disciples who were overjoyed when you showed up in that room, Lord, we would be overjoyed this morning uh, because of the reality of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we are going to um, continue our worship now by participating in uh, the sacred ritual of uh, communion which Christ instituted. And I've said the last couple weeks, I'll say it again, that this is not ideal. Um, personally, I wrestle with whether or not uh, we should be doing communion over live stream because part of the whole idea of communion is that it's something that is done in community, right? We, we're supposed to do it uh, as the body of Christ in community with one another. It reflects the reality that all of us together are part of his body. And so if we just start taking it independently of one another, um, it doesn't feel right. But I also want to recognize that we are in unusual times, and unusual times uh, require accommodation. Just like if somebody is too sick uh, to come to church, uh, ministers will often go and bring them communion in the hospital or something like that. And right now the situation we're in is that none of us are able to leave our homes and be together um, for church. And so... Uh, Accommodation in this situation, I think, looks like doing, doing live stream communion. So uh, if you're part of our church, you have heard that um, we, we have asked you to try and gather uh, some, something like the elements, something at least akin to the elements, uh, so that you can participate uh, in communion. Uh, we, we can participate virtually together. Um, 
And uh, we're trusting that even though this is not the ideal, uh, that as we do this, we are being obedient to Christ's command to remember him in this special way. Uh, and we're trusting that he will nourish us spiritually as we do that. So when we celebrate communion, one of the things that we are celebrating is that uh, Christ has trampled over death by death. Right? That, that, that on Good Friday, he died, and because he died, he destroyed death. Uh, normally, when we die, death holds us down. Uh, but Christ is more powerful than death, so when he dies, death isn't the one. He doesn't end up dying. Death is what ends up dying, mm. if that makes sense. So uh, that is what we are celebrating right now, and we, as we take in these elements, are recognizing that the reason that we have this hope of resurrection is because Christ offered his body and blood on the cross, because he gave his life, because he trampled over death with his death. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death until he comes again.
is risen indeed. Amen. Uh, one quick announcement before we close. Uh, many of you know that during this time when we can't meet physically, uh, we've started virtual small groups. Uh, I was very encouraged that over this last week we had uh, about 50 people involved in uh, virtual small groups. And if that's something you're interested in being a part of and you're not part of one yet, uh, email me, ryan at stpaulswire.org, and I would be very happy to connect you uh, with a small group. I am praying that uh, this time of social distancing would actually uh, aid us in improving our fellowship uh, rather than diminishing it. So, if you, have prayer, if you have prayer requests it's also that you don't want to share live on Facebook, you can also send them to Ryan or prayer at stpaulswire.org as well. And we'd be happy to be praying for you. Yes, that's right. So let's say our benediction. While our service has now ended, our worship has not ended. Because our, our worship, worship never, never ends. ends. Now, go or stay in peace to love and serve the Lord and to love and serve his people. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.